Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the minister here. We're so grateful that you're here. Uh, we have a fun uh, service planned for you. Lots of participation. You have a hymnal in front of you and a Bible in front of you. You can use those tools. Um, we have a baptism today with the Eddy family. We're grateful for that. And you have participation in that. It's something that I love about the United Methodist Church that you all affirm uh, every uh, promise that anyone comes forward makes. And I'm grateful for that. Um, we have an exploring memorial memorial class on August 14th at 10 a.m. We typically have a pattern of first Sundays, um, but we have a lot of conflicts on first Sundays, so we're looking at shifting that. But the next one will be August 14th at 10 a.m. It's in the social hall, which is between the sanctuary and the gym. And it's a very simple opportunity to uh, meet me, meet other staff members, meet other newcomers to the church, learn about the United Methodist Church, learn about memorials, philosophy within the United Methodist Church, and also take a tour of the um, campus and see all of our um, buildings. So I encourage you to come on August 14th at 10. Last fall, we used books as part of our um, worship planning and uh, uh, execution, and we gave you the book the Sunday that we were starting, which if you missed that Sunday, then you were a Sunday behind. And if you came that Sunday, then you, I was talking about chapter one, and I hadn't even handed you the book yet. We're going to be way ahead of that um, this year and give you the book much earlier. And I can tell you now what the book is going to be. It's called Fear of the Other, No Fear in Love. It's the newest book by Bishop Will Williman. Uh, Bishop Williman's a local boy. He served at um, Duke Chapel as the dean for decades. He was the bishop of the um, North Alabama Annual Conference, and he's now back at Duke uh, as a... Um, he just loves students, being around students. So the book is talking about our uh, uh, inclination towards fear, our, the way we misbehave when we're scared, and the way certain leaders motivate us with fear in very improper ways. And so um, uh, if you look that up, we'll order it for you. We'll make sure we get the list uh, accurate over the next couple weeks. We'll order the books for you, and we'll have them for you two weeks um, before we start, I hope. That's August 14th. And August, October 16th, or the Sunday closest to that, Bishop Williman is actually coming to worship with us and is going to preach. So um, every Sunday is fun here at Memorial, Memorial, and I encourage you to come, but I especially urge you to come that Sunday because he has got, he is one of my favorite speakers of all time because he's got a bite. He bites you, but he does it in a funny way that you're laughing the whole time he does it. And he's so very direct and um, uh, uh, lights up the text. So I encourage you to come uh, to that. Um, I believe that's every announcement we have. Let's begin.
Please stand and join me in our first hymn, number 476.
Let us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. I invite you to turn to page 39 in your pew Bible. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. I present Olympia Margaret Eddy for baptism. If you come forward. On behalf of the whole church, I ask you both, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? Will you nurture this child in Christ's holy church that by your teaching and example she may be guided to accept God's grace for herself, to profess her faith openly, and to lead a Christian life? Congregation, we now turn to you with question number eight. Do you as Christ's body, the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include this child now before you in your care? With God's help, we will proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ. We will surround this child with a community of love and forgiveness that she may grow in her service to others. We will pray for her that she may be a true disciple who walks in the way that leads to life. You look at number 10 for the thanksgiving. 
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. And after the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and those who receive it to wash away their sin and clothe them in righteousness that throughout their lives that dying and being raised with Christ they may share in his final victory. All praise to you, Eternal Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever. Amen. It's a practice in the United Methodist Church to not say the last name of a child because we're all included in one Christian family. Olympia Margaret, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I've had some big ones lately. She's tiny. So she doesn't understand much. Doesn't understand who provides her food, who provides her clothing, who provides her shelter, who provides her love. And one day she'll learn that her parents do a little bit of that and her extended family does a little bit of that. And then one day she'll learn that God loved her before any of that happened. And we're taking a promise, a pledge, to participate in the telling of that story to Miss Pia. I said, everybody... You can put your hand on your sister. <laughs> Olympia Margaret, the Holy Spirit work within you, that being born through water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. Look at number 16 with me. Members of the household of God, I commend this entire family to your love and care. Do all in your power to increase their faith, confirm their hope, and perfect them in love. We give thanks for all that God has already given you, and we welcome you in Christian love as members together with you in the body of Christ and in this congregation of the United Methodist Church. We renew our covenant faithfully to participate in the ministries of the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, and our service, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. The God of all grace who has called us to eternal glory in Christ establish you and strengthen you, that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may live in grace and peace.
Our person doing the children's sermon was unexpectedly unable uh, to come this morning, so we're not going to have a children's sermon this morning. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I always jump ahead. If you'll turn to page 611, we have a new tradition where we sing uh, the first and third verses of Child of Blessing, Child of Promise. See? children's sermon person is unable to be with us, so we'll continue with the anthem.
The scripture lesson is Psalm 46. You can follow along on page 885. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shadows the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our forces. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we are so grateful to have a home in which we may come and worship, to connect with you through prayer, sacrament, song, scripture, proclamation. And we're grateful for air conditioning. And while being grateful, we're mindful for those that do not have it, those who suffer when the weather changes dramatically. Keep on our minds constantly the ways that we can reach out to this community and help those who need very simple, practical help. As we read a text of a person who was struggling with having conflict and sickness and death in his life, help us, Lord, to make ourselves part of that story on every side so that we may understand the human struggle divine love and the hope for the two that may meet. Bless us this morning, Lord, with the prayer your Son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We're going to do something slightly different right before the offering, and it is in a um, relentless pursuit on the part of our staff to get absolutely accurate contact information from members of our church. This is a battle that you do not win. It's just one that you fight every day. But we want to make our um, contact information for you as clear and as clean as possible. I've emailed it to anyone who has an email. I've put it on Facebook for anyone who has Facebook. If you don't use either of those things and never will. We have sheets on every pew that are three sheets that our ushers will help redistribute to people that need them. I want to give you just three or four minutes and you're, if you're a guest today, uh, if you'll um, uh, 
uh, well, grateful for your patience. And as you fill this out, uh, Don is going to play a song for us as a thank you for you taking time to do that. He's going to play number 348, Softly and Tenderly, Jesus is Calling. We thought that would be appropriate hymn for contact information. So if you'll just take a couple minutes and fill that out and then fold it up and put it into the offering plate as it goes by. now time for our uh, tithes and other offerings. If you will pass the attendance register to the uh, outside or inside of your pew, and if you would like to give us uh, contact information if you're a visitor today, give us any type and we will contact you uh, in that format.
Please be seated. As you can see by just about everything we're doing, uh, our hymns and our prayers, I love seeing when you have a theme, you see different hymns come out of the hymn book that you wouldn't typically use. Um, but our first hymn is a great example of that, of our um, traditional team picking songs that accentuate the theme. The theme in June and July is creeks, lakes, and streams. Places where, um, since you're going out to the water all summer long, um, places in Scripture where people had some encounter with one another and with God um, by a small or a medium size or a large body of water and what that meant for them going forward. So we've talked about creation. The first thing is always is water and provision. Everything came after that. And uh, our simple gratitude every time we see bodies of water. We talked about John the Baptist and how Jesus approached him in the water and said, I want you to baptize me. John, of course, thought, ooh, I feel like you ought to be baptizing me. I don't think I should be baptizing you. But Jesus made it very clear in that moment that humans are going to participate in the redemption story. God puts a great deal of responsibility in human hands. Then we talked about baby Moses and how he went down the river in a basket and how provision preceded everything he ever did. Security preceded everything he ever did. Of course, humans placed a threat on his life, but God protected his life in every way. And we talked about Moses and the Israelites two weeks ago and how in the wilderness they ran into bitter water. And in finding bitter water, they said, what'd you do, bring us out here to die? It was awesome being a slave in Egypt. That was the best part of my life. And their bitterness just poured over. In that story, they realized that their bitterness was infinitely more bitter than the water. And in fixing that, no matter what was going to happen, they could find their way to the promised land. And finally, last week we talked about Jonah and the storm. The fish steals the story in Jonah, but there's so much about it that God wanted to use him as an instrument, the same as John the Baptist. Jonah did not want to help those people and ran in the opposite direction. And in running to the opposite direction, he put another group of fishermen in great peril in a storm. And learning that this story is bigger than me. I may have been called to lead, but that doesn't mean that I can then dictate the entire mission of what God is trying to do. All that leads into today. Job chapter 38. And you can find it in your pew Bible. We're going to read different parts of it. So if you... Um, Turn to page 835 or somewhere closer. Some of our Bibles are a little different. And if you keep it open, um, because I'll read different parts. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of a storm. He said, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man, and I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and the angels shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness? When I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place? When I said, this far you may come and no farther? 
Here is where your proud waves halt. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So the first phrase that stuck out to me when I was reading that is words without knowledge. You ever say something when you don't really know much about it? Mercy. If we could limit that, that would be great. But we don't, do we? We've thought about it for a couple minutes. Somebody else might have thought about it for the past year. Someone else may have poured their entire lives into the understanding of this concept. And we're just now thinking about it. But we have some thoughts. And sometimes we share them. And when we ask ourselves, how did we get to this point in 38 where God is scolding Job on such a level that he says, brace yourself. Because I'm about to ask you a bunch of questions. Here's what you... um, You ever walk in on somebody being scolded? Someone, you, uh, whether it be at work or whether it be at home or on vacation, you got a bunch of families mixed into one house and you walk in and someone from some other family or something's being scolded and you go, okay, excuse me, I'll just be right back. That's what's happening here. God is taking Job by the hand and saying, buckle up because I'm about to unpack this issue for you. So how do we get to this point? Job is a fascinating book. Unlike really any other book in the Bible, in my opinion. It's considered poetry. Um, Some people think that no question happened. Some people think that it's a story that uh, illustrates a point. To me, I'm uh, always about the story that illustrates the point. But it's different from any other book in that there is a person who is the point of view in every chapter. Like some novels that you read, it's from that person's perspective, the entire chapter. And um, you have God, Satan, Job, and his three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Elihu. So um, God says to the devil, don't you think Job is amazing? This guy's above reproach. He's awesome. And the devil's response in chapter 1 is, uh, well, he's got a lot of stuff. Let's take some stuff away from him and see how awesome he is. Let's take some stuff away from him and see if he continues to praise you. And in chapter 1, I'm talking about everything is taken away from him in an instant. The first part of the chapter is describing all the amazing things he has. He has seven boys. He has three girls. He has lots of land. He has lots of animals. All of it. Gone. And uh, you know that movie, uh, there's many variations of it, primarily action movies, primarily males go to see these movies where something happens to this person who is who was once violent and is now peaceful, but his entire family, something has been taken away from him, and that violent streak is going to come out for the entire remainder of the movie. And of course we're like, yeah, go get him. It's, it's sort of like that, except it stops right there. And for the next 38 chapters, it's a deep theological debate. How many people want to go see that movie? <laughs> right? It's Job taking a, taking a chapter, and he's saying, I wish I was dead. Why do I have to be so patient? I want a meeting with God so I can tell him that there's nothing wrong with me, I'm righteous, and this shouldn't be happening to me. And then Eliphaz and Bildad will take a chapter. And they'll say, maybe you did something. 
you know, that human tendency of whether you have something major with a loss or something happens with illness or something happens uh, on 29 and you think, what did I do what to deserve this? So his friends say, well, maybe you did something. God alone is righteous. You probably did something that really make him angry. And they go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, each taking a chapter. And each one mostly giving his perspective and not listening a bunch to the other ones. And that's until about 32. And then this guy Elihu comes in. Apparently the older three, the, other, the first three have a little bit of experience. They're a little older. Elihu's pretty young and he says, listen up. He takes four chapters. I'm young. I probably should be, uh, you should be the wise ones, but I need y'all to understand something. You should be listening to God more than you're talking to God. You should be listening to God more than you're talking to others. You should be listening to others more than you're talking to others. And so many times, we're the opposite of those practices. So Elihu says, be silent and learn just prior to chapter 38. And if you look in the Bible, the title of that section is, The Lord Speaks. The Lord waited a long time. You know, those people in a meeting, that they're quiet most of the meeting. They say something about the 47th, 48th, 51st, 59th minute. It's because they've been taking it all in. And by processing all of it, they're going to share something. Uh, sometimes uh, beyond helpful, it's processed the whole thing. And sometimes they're just like minute one. They just waited till minute 54 to say it. Chapter 38, verse 25. God says, Who cuts a channel for the torrents of rain and a path for the thunderstorm to water a land where no one lives, an uninhabited desert, to satisfy a desolate wasteland and make it sprout with grass? Does the rain have a father? Who fathers the drops of dew? From whose womb comes the ice? Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens when the waters become hard as stone, when the surface of the deep is frozen? So what we have to understand is more things have happened that had nothing to do with us than we can possibly imagine. One of my favorite things to do when we go to Edisto is to get in a little John boat that Katie's uncle has and go back in the creeks. And I love to do it when the tide is going in. Because you see that water going back into tiny little places that have millions of little life forms going on in that little cul-de-sac that no one notices because not only is it on a back creek, it's a couple steps off that back creek. All those things beautiful, all those things churning, all those things doing something, and I have nothing to do with it. I have no idea how it happens. It's a perfect reminder that when I think to myself, my goodness, I'm busy. My goodness, I'm in charge of a lot of stuff. My goodness, I wish I could get some help. I look back there and I think, you don't know anything. You're not in charge of much of anything. God has created everything. And that creation is such an amazing blessing to us. If we slow down, we pay attention. Now, what do you do when you walk into something that's in progress? Whether it be a meeting, whether it be a meal, whether it be a game, whether it be worship. What, what are the fundamentals of walking in late? 
listen first? Probably. Five, ten, twelve minutes of something have happened before you ever did anything or heard anything or said anything. So if you come in 12 minutes late and then you say, well, i tell you what I think we ought to do. Do you think that's a wise choice? Probably not. So what if the earth existed for millions and millions of years, running and churning and living and dying and getting warm and getting cold before you ever walked the earth? If you understood that on a daily basis, would it make you less inclined to say, well, God, here's what I think we ought to do. I've got, an, I've got an idea. I've got a concept. I thought about this for about 40 minutes. A good 40 minutes I put into this. And I think we ought to do this. I think sometimes God chuckles at that. And I think sometimes, like in 38, God gets a little grumpy with that based on our time and place in history. Verse 40, chapter 42, verse 1. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you will answer me. Then he said, My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Think about what an amazing step that is. For chapters and chapters and chapters and chapters, he has said, This isn't right. I'm the right one. This shouldn't happen. I need counsel with God so I can let God know what this is about and so God can understand me. Verse 42 is entirely different. His posture is entirely different. His tone is entirely different. And how long do you think it takes God to turn around and restore him and love him? I'd say shorter than it takes a grandparent to restore a relationship with a grandchild. Does that, does that suit you? I mean, parent, that thing can extend out just a little bit. It can extend out an hour or half a day. Grandparent. So God restores him to that relationship in a little bit faster time than that snap. He says, help me listen. Help me see. When I've done both of those things, maybe I'll speak. Help me listen, help me see, and then maybe I'll speak. When you think about your conversation with God, however limited it might be or however extensive it might be, I want you to think about a pie chart. And I want you to think about that relationship. How much do I listen? How much do I see? How much do I speak? And when we see those bodies of water, wherever we may see them throughout this summer, understand that there is one who created them, who empowers them, and who has entrusted them to us if we're willing to see. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand and join me, if you're able, for our final hymn, number 534.
We have administrative council directly following this worship service. So if you who are part of that, please come over to the social hall. And youth group was, they were unable to go to Roper Mountain last night because of all that crazy weather. And so they will reschedule that. And we do have youth group tonight in a way we normally would not. We do have youth group. And now receive the benediction. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all.